Hello, everyone. Welcome back as we study Daf HaShavua, Daf Lamed Beis. Please excuse my voice a little bit today, but I want to thank everyone for great questions. You know, a lot of people are studying Meseches Yavamis these days, at least groups that are involved in Daf HaShavua. So the, those of us that give shiurim, we uh, shmooze sometimes, at least those of us in Teaneck, of how challenging uh, these pages are but how many of our Balbatim are hanging in and inspiring us. Hopefully we're going to announce uh, pretty soon a very exciting shir for Dafa Shavua Halacha Lamasa with a guest speaker. <clears throat> Please keep posted. One of the big questions that came to me uh, on Shabbos, as well as through so emails, because I don't get to see everybody in person, actually relates to something we discussed earlier in the Masechta, and people were sensitive to it, of course, uh, with the story of Yehuda and Tamar, which is a form of Yibam, although not exactly the Torah form. Remember, way back, we discussed that the two examples that we have in the Torah <clears throat> of Yibam, the Boaz Rus and the Tamar case, they're not exactly Yibam as we've been learning it in Mesechus Yivamas. So that is uh, ironic. Again, it's a testimony to our Torah Shabbat Peh, as well as, of course, the Torah Shabbat and how Yibam is spelled out later in the Torah. But uh, one of our great participants pointed out to me, very fascinating uh, insight, that when you have Binyamin and all of his children being named, and please look at the names, if I'm recording this year right before Pashas Vayigash, if you look at all the names of Binyamin's children, I'll mention this in a share on Friday for my boot camp share. All the names are reflections of the lost brother, Yosef. So in many ways, it accomplishes uh, what Binyamin was trying to accomplish was keeping the name of his brother going, which is a form of what we're trying to accomplish uh, with this whole Yibam operation even though we've already pointed out that you don't have to actually use the name. That's a whole big discussion. Should you use the name? You definitely don't have to use the name, even though the Torah tells us we're keeping the name going. Keeping the name going, as I pointed out, I just want to reinforce now, isn't the technical name. It's the, it's the legacy of the brother, the memory of the brother. And we also pointed out the respect for the woman to be able to give her the chesed and the security but it's obviously an option, because if you don't go for the Yibam option, you have Chalitza. This very much relates to this staff as well, because you see the Asay and the Los Asay popping up. A second question that came up, which I, I didn't spend as much time on it as I would have liked to, and I'm not going to jump too far in today, is the whole dating issue. I just want to make very clear that there's no such thing today as a star kiddusha. As far as I know, no one's using it. We already explained last week why we wouldn't use it. And therefore, there's really no option today to even date a kiddusha. There's, you're not going to date it. You may have it on, on the pictures. Um, and especially Bizman Hazel, we know the date of the kiddusha because the kiddusha is taking place together with the nisuin. And we gave last week three halachalamaisa differences between why you would need a date on a shtar kiddushin if we were using one, why you would not need on a shtar kiddushin, but you would need on a get. And the nisuin, as some of you asked me, what relates to that is the ksuba. 
So even though the Ksuba generally is being filled out before the Eresin, as we do it today, the, the Ksuba relates to the Nisuin. And you will see this does connect somewhat to why there's a practice in Eretz Yisrael to actually fill out the Ksuba, sign the Ksuba under the Chuppah. It's also because of a timing issue as far as the timing of the Ksuba. But Baruch Hashem, as uh, someone pointed out to me, especially today with Zoom weddings or mainstream, uh, what do they call it, live stream weddings, people are more aware of what goes on, on under the chuppah. So Baruch Hashem, we're getting more questions. That's a positive aspect of what's happening today, if we could take away a positive. What I want to do today for the rest of this year, and most likely we're going to get into this next week as well, is deal with a major shasugya. We've been trying to do this throughout Masechus Yuvamas. If issues that come up relating to other areas of Isha's marriages we've been doing the last few weeks or sometimes even broader issues. So there is a, an issue that just smacks us in the face here in this Gemara of Ein Isser Chal Isser. What does this mean? Ein Isser Chal Isser, that if you have violated something, you can't violate something else on top of it. Now, before I get into some of the details, and what I'll do most likely today is to be as clear as possible in setting up some examples, and we'll hopefully get inside to see at least one Rambam today, we should know what we do wrong. We should know what we do right as well. And we shouldn't have to wait to Yom Kippurim. You know, when we come to saying Vido, we were discussing in the past about the value based on the Gemara Mesechas Yomam in the eighth parak of being Mefarid Achet, spelling out the sin. At least every year, focusing on certain different sins. But he goes beyond that because, you know, and I've discussed this as well in the past, when we say Karbonos every day, and we should say Karbonos, at least uh, a certain amount, the Izehu Makamon, the Karban Tamid, as well as uh, as much as possible to say the Karbanos, we talk about specific Karbanos. You talk about a Karban Chatas, and by learning it, as we've seen from the Gemara and Roshanas and other places, it's as if you've done it. But that's assuming that you know what you're bringing the Karban for, what you're saying it for. We discussed in the past as well in Masech Shabbos, even certain Tanoim who would keep track of their sins. Rav Shechter, uh, I heard this from his son, spoke about even in the positive, when it comes to a Karban Todah, when Mashiach comes, we're going to have to make up the Karbanos. There's a famous Hart Tzvi, Rav Pesach Frank, in the very first of his uh, insights. This is uh, in Simon Aleph. So let me explain a little bit what's going on here. We're going to use our Gemara, that's why it comes up. And then I'll try to give you a couple of other examples as well. And then we'll get to the Rambam and set this up as Halachal Masashir. So Ruvain's married to Rachel. Let's go back before our Mishnah. This is Chazara. Good review. Let's go back to the very beginning. Mesechus, Yavamas, Beis. And we saw this spelled out in Daf Gimel. So Ruvain's married to Rachel. His brother Shimon... Let's call him single at this point to make it as easy as possible. Much easier than our cases. Ruvain, unfortunately, passes away. No children. Shimon now has a Zika with Rachel. We understand that. And there's two options in front of them. 
at least on a Torah level. Shimon could, let's put it into quotes, but we understand that it's real quotes in the sense that it's a real marriage through Yibam, and we've seen the earlier steps now of Mamar. So Shimon and Rachel march off into paradise. And the name of the child continues. As we discussed in the first part of the year, not literally the name of the name of the, the deceased uh, brother, but the legacy continues, and they go on to live happily ever after. Bizman Azeh, we're not going to allow Yibum to take place. Remember Abishol. So therefore, there's a chalitza. Now, if not for this Yibum, this concept of Yibum in Torah, Shimon and Rachel would not be able to get together. Shimon and Rachel are actually prohibited to each other through one of the Arroyos of Eshesach. But we've seen that Eshesach is a Yibum exception. Now let's get back to Argumar. Ruvain marries Rachel. Ruvain's brother Shimon marries Leah, who's Rachel's sister. Ruvain dies. Shimon is not going to do Yibum with Rachel because she is an erva of Achos Ishto. Achos Ishto is not an exception to Yibum. Achos Ishto is his sister's wife. Remember, after death, this, this falls away. But right now, it's still alive. So what happens if Shimon... Didn't, he knew there was a concept of Yibam. And maybe he didn't know a rabbi, or unfortunately the rabbi maybe confused things. This is a lot at stake over here. Shimon then has relations with Rachel. This is our Gemara, our Mishnah. He would have two sins, at least it looks like two sins. Number one, Achos Ishto, and number two, Eshes Ach, because the only way that Eshes Ach doesn't apply is if there's a yibum, but in this case, there's no yibum exception. Eishas ach will not apply according to this principle of ein isr chalal isr. You understand? That's what I'm trying to spell out. You, you only could do one violation with one act. Now, there are going to be exceptions to the rule. I'm presenting this as if it's very clear. I'll give you another example. Let's say... I unfortunately, and again, Bishogeg, you could do things. We have to keep in mind that doing something bemazed is pretty clear. You have what we call in law, you have mens rea, you have full intent, you know what you're doing, and you say, I'm going to do it anyway. The opposite extreme, you have an ones where you're forced to do something. You had no intention at all. Someone pushes you into a light, then you, you haven't violated anything on Shabbos. Right? And even with other sins, if you're forced into a situation, it's not an ones. Obviously, if it's a mitzvah to do it, sometimes we have a mitzvah that other times would be an avera. You have to eat non-kosher food because the doctor says so. There's nothing there. There's no ones as well. But let's deal with the middle category, which is where so many issues come up in life. It's a shogeg. A shogeg is, we call it in English, an accident. It's not really an accident. A shogeg means it's would have been on purpose if you actually had two factors in mind. 
Number one is you knew the halachos, and you knew that the halachos applied. Shabbos is just an e- easy example. Hilcha Shabbos, if you don't know Hilcha Shabbos and you do something wrong, you're not going to call that an ones. You're not going to call it a mazer. That's a shogeg. If you know the halacha, but you didn't know it was Shabbos, that's also a shogeg. Halacha awareness and time awareness. So let's say you have a, a tamea. Tamea is an animal that is not kosher. We use different terminology. It's a trefa, it's an avela. Each terminology, each term has its own status. So if you have a tamea that dies, you have a tamea, you have an animal, a non-kosher animal that dies without shechita, which is obviously what happens because they don't do shechita on a non-kosher animal, and you eat it b'shogek, you brought home the wrong meat. Maybe it was in the kosher section. You're not going to call that an ones. You should have checked. You have to check the label. Now you've actually done two different isurim. Each one of these isurim has a chiyav, a punishment that's associated with it. If you've done it accidentally, there's going to be a punishment as well. You have to bring in carbon chattas, right? Certain times you're going to have situations. Depend. I'm not getting into each isur. Will there be a a malchus that's that's required? Whatever exactly the punishment will be, malchus mardus. However, we apply it. We're dealing over here with accountability. So if the tamea die, if the tamea is eaten by you, and it's by definition not just a tamea, but a nevela. A nevela is an animal that dies without shrita, you have two isern in front of you. Ain iser chalal iser, and therefore you only have one iser, you only have one prohibition. And practical ramification is going to be a big deal when it comes to karbanos. It's going to come most likely, let's say today, when it comes to doing vidui, do you have to testify on both? Yeah, it can't hurt, but you have only actually violated one prohibition. It is a very general way of introducing the sukya. We're going to jump in through a classic Rambam, and this will help us, hopefully, this week and next week, get into some more practical cases. Now, what is the theory behind this Ein Isser Chalal Isser, which will help us understand these halachos as well? Again, we're going to need to spend some time on this on the next daf as well as it continues. So I'll tell you the approach that I've always learned, but it's not the only approach. The Tosos Yishanim, and you can see this on Daf Yud Gimel, Ahmed Bez, it appears other places as well, says that this idea of Ein Isser Chalal Isser that once there's an iser, you're not going to put another iser on it, and therefore the person will not have to bring a, sep- a second chatos, is its svara. When a, rish- a rishon says it's svara, it means that there's not a pasuk that is learnt out. It doesn't mean it's not a derisa concept, because at the end of the day, this will have derisa impacts as far as how many karbanos a person has to bring. And the way I understand the svara is that the Torah prohibitions, the Isurim, are given to things that are allowed. Once something is condemned, or once something is Asur, then you're not going to be able to make it more Asur. You know, it's like we have this idea even in Hilchah Shabbos, Ein Bishol Achar Bishol. Once it's done, it's done. So therefore, once you have already taken upon yourself an Isur, let's say going back to our case, by having, uh, being with an achos ishto, or an eshes ach, whatever it may be, so then within that same prohibition, 
we're not going to say that there's a second Isser. There is another approach. You can look into Tosva Sanhedrin on Pei Gimel Beis that it's based on uh, a binyanav. It's learned out from a pasuk relating to a Kohen eating, tr- a Kohen who was Tame eating uh, Truma Tamea. And that actually ties a little bit into part of what comes up on this Gemara with Kimle Dirabine. I know this stuff is uh, it's difficult, difficult concepts, but we're trying to make it as clear as possible, and hopefully we'll be able to explain it as practically as possible. Now, everything that I said may on the surface seem not to make a lot of sense, including our Gemara, including our Achila case that I tried to make the easier case, where a person is eating a Tamea that is also a Nevela because of a Rambam which I think is often misunderstood. The Rambam in Perik Yud Zayin of Isurei Bia discusses, uh, it's one of the places where he discusses this principle. Klal Gadahu Bechol Yisurim Shabbat Torah. Here's a principle that we have in all Isurei Torah. You see, obviously, there's a Daraisa concept. She'ein Isur Chal Isur. This is the Rambam in Perik Yud Zayin of Hilchos Yisurei Bia. Halacha Ches. She'ein Isur Chal Al Isur. And then he gives a number of exceptions. One of them, called Mosif, is actually on this daf itself. But he mentions the first exception, If the two Isurim take place at the same time, that's the way many translate this, I think somewhat incorrectly, then you're not going to have Enes or Chalal Isur. So in our situation... If the guy is having relations with someone who happens to be an Eishasach and Achosishto, so why should you even discuss Rip Shimon's principle? Rip Shimon is the one who came up with this principle, at least that we have recorded, of Enes or Chalal And you could say the same thing with the Achila thing. You're, you're eating something that is non kosher and it's also a Nevela. I think the right translation and I can prove this, but we don't have time to really get into it now, of Imkain Hayushnei Yisurim Banka Achas is, the, the way I would translate it is where both the prohibitions take effect at the same time. The example that's given for this is actually relates to uh, some of the parashiyos where Yosef accused the brothers of Avram and Achai. If you look to the Rambam Hilchos Machalas Asuras, hey hey five five, he gives an example: a person rips a limb from a living animal, that causes the animal to become a trefa. So there, he's considered to have violated two isurim, because the isur against eating flesh from a live animal, Avram Menachai, and the isur of partaking of an animal that is a trefa, those are happening at the same exact time. But in our situations, the status of the woman being a shasach and the status of the other woman being achosishto, the isr doesn't happen at the same time. The status of the isr, you may be doing that maisabia, and therefore the two violations are occurring simultaneously, and it's the same with the eating as well. The non-kosher animal doesn't become a novella at the same exact time. You're violating both. So hopefully that's clear enough, or else we would never even have, or rarely would have this discussion. So 
I've explained this mostly halacha lamasa from the perspective of uh, knowing when you have to bring carbon chatas. Maybe that's the best I could do. But these are also Torah concepts and, and Masorah concepts that we should keep in mind. But it also does have relevance in situations where before you get involved in an act, to really be educated as, as far as what's in front of us. And that's why our Gemara is not so random. You could see where, wow, mitzvah yibam, mitzvah to do something wonderful, but at the same time, you're, you end up violating Inisim and Atayrah. And Baruch Hashem, because of Svara, there's only one Isser and not a second Isser. Now, there is an interesting discussion from a Machshavic perspective, and maybe this ties into Tshuva, because we don't only do Tshuva for actions, we also do Tshuva for attitudes, and we're not just looking for fixes, we're looking to develop ourselves as personalities, where maybe the person actually has done, through one action, two things that are improper. Maybe you're only going to get punished. You know, the Ramban tells us that you can't view a whole relationship with Hashem through punishment. That's why Zachar, the Aseis, are more important than the Los Aseis. Ase docha Los Ase. When it comes to punishment, of course, a Los Ase is greater. So just because you only have violated one Isser doesn't mean that you haven't done two things that are improper. And again, I'll give you a little bit more next week and we'll jump into some of the details. What I'm most excited about is Baruch Hashem, because of Mesechus Yivamas, we've come across the concept of Ein Isser Chal Isser, and I'm sure you're going to have many questions. Usually when I give a shear on this topic, I haven't done it so often, people are going to say, what happens on Yom Kippur? Right? Let's say if I uh, eat something on Yom Kippur that's not kosher. One Isser, two Isser. There are going to be other questions as well. I'm not telling you that that's, not, that's uh, only one Isser. And I want to point out something else that I, I mentioned earlier. When on Shabbos, if a person violates one prohibition, it doesn't mean the rest of Shabbos, he gets a free pass. Every action on Shabbos is considered to be separate. So this is part of the big discussion. And you see on our Gemara, there's a Kimle Durabmine discussion that slips in here as well. You get the worst of two punishments when a Bezdin is uh, meeting out punishment. And there's a lot more to say on this issue.